A lion in the hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> Not what I've heard. <laughs> Hello, you are listening to Grape Culture, the podcast where we talk about wine, pop culture and feminism. I'm Kim. I'm Sam. And we hope you enjoy the show. This week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Netflix show Heartstopper. But before we get into that, we have some wine to talk about. So, Kim, what is it? Tell us about this wine you've only just seen. <laughs> Tell you about this wine that I definitely chose with with form, for, forward planning. Forward. So, we have the M&S Bramble Hill Sparkling Wine of England. Hey. Um, Sam chose this, the reason being that this is an English show that we are talking about. Um, set in English grammar schools, and this is a sparkling wine of England. Filmed in Kent, don't you know? And I think this is from somewhere that home county's area, so I thought it might be good. Could be. Bottled by Silverhand Estate in Kent. Ah, there you go. There you go. Yes, so, um, and I fully support that, because I actually do think, like, there is a sparkling wine feeling about English shows, and this show, it's quite, like... Uh, butterflies of your stomach kind of feeling that I think this um, bottle seems to match. Um, also, Bramble Hill definitely sounds like a grammar school. Yeah. So there aren't a lot of tasting notes on the back, but um, Sam has fortunately dug up the tasting notes from the website. So that is an aromatic lively fizz with floral notes and flavours of gooseberry. Mm. This English sparkling wine would match well with chicken dishes, salads, or simply chilled as an aperitif. Um, sounds lovely, yeah. actually. Sounds very uh, gentle. Sounds effervescent yes. yes um would you like to do the honors i will do the honors thank you yes Wee. my nose was saying spicy and my mouth is saying sweaty <laughs> why is it spicy i have just come off a glass of red wine though so that's not normally the way that i would do this it's not as, sh- as sharp as i would expect something called bramble hill with notes of gooseberries <laughs> but then i do have a cold so no but you're right it's not particularly sharp um it's it's quite yellow and it's you know what? The fact that it's a Chardonnay grape, a blend of Chardonnay mm. grape, like it does feel a bit Chardonnay-y. Chardonnay. Fizzy Chardonnay. Yeah, so this does this is does seem like a good match with the show, um, which again we are talking about Heartstopper today. But why is it a good match with the show, Kim? What is the show about? What is Heartstopper? So Heartstopper is a Netflix show based on the graphic novel of the same name, mm-hmm. um, which is about two uh, teenage boys who form an unlikely friendship and um tldr fall in love it's a lot more than that um it really is about sort of what it's like to discover your sexuality as a teenager to go against the grain of what is expected of you um and your friends to sort of uh find yourself in amongst a toxic friendship group or discovering who you are at on your own and standing up for yourself and and the things that you want and believe in and the person that you want to be is very much a coming of age kind of feeling with a love story intertwined in that but I do think that it's more than a love story although there is a a love story at the centre of it in the friendship sense it's a real testament to um, finding your tribe and also learning to love yourself and the parts of you that maybe you normally put yourself down for or make smaller for other people and actually choosing to make those things bigger or um leaning into them leaning into them yeah. our protagonist in the show i don't know if it's the same in the graphic novel i haven't read the graphic it novel is. um is charlie who is a um charlie spring charlie spring a 14 year old boy at the beginning of the show who uh is openly gay um in an all boys school 
has previously been bullied for that, mm-hmm. has a small group of friends. And then uh, he has a, at the beginning of the show, a secret boyfriend called Ben, who's not his boyfriend, who Dude. is a dick. He, in the new school year, gets placed next to uh, the sort of rugby jock all-star popular boy called Nick, who he has a sort of an immediate connection with, I think, but um, who turns out to not be what you might expect from someone in that cast in that role turns out to be a genuinely lovely person they form a friendship golden retriever energy energy, strong golden retriever energy they form a friendship that blossoms into a romance but nick is not aware of his um has, has not previously explored any change to his sexuality so coming to understand his bisexuality um and it's also about charlie's friends who are very protective of him wanting to make sure that he isn't hurt again by bellens like yes ben Ben and harry and harry who is the sort of central antagonist uh villain of the piece there's a lot more to it than that i think there's cast of characters do you want to just quickly run down our cast of characters yep sure so uh as kim mentioned uh charlie and nick are the two main characters then you've got tau you've got l who is uh trans used to go to school with the boys but then like used to go to the single sex boys grammar school that most of the action takes place at but now she goes to the girls school um at the girls school she has two friends as well who are darcy and tara mm-hmm. uh who are in a same-sex relationship with each other um then you have isaac as mentioned as another member of the group but he all he really does is sort of turn up and read books he doesn't mm-hmm. have much impact on the plot he's meant to be um, a balancing quiet character to counteract tau and l's loudness apparently fair enough okay i can i feel like they did him a bit dirty but we'll get onto that later mm-hmm. but um yeah, so uh, Isaac as well. Then you've got Harry, who is one of the rugby team and is a uh, posh boy dickhead, um, which is to say he has a lot of money, but is a homophobic, transphobic bully that no one really likes, even mm-hmm. his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's sort of some secondary characters from that as well. Uh, it's very much about the teenagers. Parents are in it, but mm-hmm. very tangentially. Same with teachers um the, the 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 teenage cast is at the heart of it really mm-hmm. there's ben and imogen oh and there's ben and imogen yeah i forgot about them so ben is uh fake boyfriend not out has a girlfriend is very much uh has issues with his own sexuality and projects that onto charlie mm-hmm. um and imogen is sweet annoying dippy girl who is a bit in love with nick yeah um, she's she's uh she's also a new character to the show she's not in the graphic novel and she is really there kind of to be an obstacle i think but also she's she's kind of um yeah she's dippy but she's well-meaning yeah um and i think comes out all right um so that's a pretty brief overview some of you might already be familiar with it it's quite a quick watch uh so to be honest if you haven't seen it and you're kind of like oh i'm my interest is peaked Pause this, Go and watch set it. aside four yeah. hours or so, and, yeah. and we'll see you in a bit. Sam, what did you think about this show overall? Overall. What was your uh, first what were your first impressions? So first impressions. So my gut response to it was that it was very saccharine. Mm-hmm. Um like it was it was very sweet. And I which is not the kind of thing I don't have a sweet tooth, I have a savoury tooth. It was all of these things I'm going to say about it so it sound like I'm being derogatory and they're not meant to be derogatory, but it was small. It was small stories about 
small real stories about school life and mm -hmm. believable characters and my natural cynicism railed against it because of that mm -hmm. uh but that is me i think my impressions of the show was were positive in that it is telling stories that however small still are important to be told in the particularly in the context of queer culture where these mm -hmm. stories are not being widely told so i liked it <laughs> <laughs> what did you think um yeah slightly i mean similar view but more um it, it fuzzy. more yeah more fuzzy <laughs> yeah. um i really liked it i thought it was really cute i love love i am a lovey-dovey kind of person Kim stands love I do stand love. I like rom-coms in general. And I'm also a huge fan of smaller stories. Um, I think that they are really important because most of the people in the world are not Napoleon or <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Speak for yourself. Or... I'm Catherine the Great. <laughs> you know, like, but most people aren't doing the great love, great epic swashbuckling life isn't always gossip girl yeah some people are just going to school and getting through it and finding someone that they like being around mm -hmm. and i really enjoyed that aspect i really enjoyed the show as a whole i raced through it i i, I definitely got a little bit teary-eyed <laughs> um and not just because i'm really fucking tired uh <laughs> it was just like it was just very sweet but i also appreciated that we were getting a small, broadly happy story. It didn't feel like a very special episode. Mm. It didn't feel the need to be dramatic or spicy. It felt close to realistic um, in terms of the, the world setting. And um, yeah, it was really cute. So I really liked it. The thing is, it wasn't dark and it didn't dwell on the negativity, but it didn't ignore the fact that that stuff happens and i thought that that was really nice because i think um it's very easy to take this kind of narrative and only focus on bullying or homophobia or anything and that was a through line through the whole show and definitely a problem that they were trying to overcome mm -hmm. but in amongst that there were moments of lightness and moments of real concern that you had for the characters, the characters. Yeah. and that felt very true to life it manages not to trivialise the struggles of being out of school as a teenager, uh, of which there are many struggles for many people in, mm -hmm. because of many different things. So it did a good job of not, yeah, like you say, glossing over that, but it didn't it didn't dwell. Mm. Um, what do you think in particular made the show stand out for you? It's a couple of things for me. Um, the first, I've, I've already touched on the fact that it wasn't a the phrase that I've heard sort of across Bookstrom and etc is it wasn't a kill your gaze narrative. It wasn't like two young gay teens and therefore it ends in tragedy and um, self-harm or an HIV yeah. and death and misery and trauma. It was, they had some stuff to overcome, but they overcame it. And um, Nick and Charlie aren't the only um gay characters in this show and they also aren't the only characters who are in the wider lgbtq uh plus spectrum mm -hmm. and all of those characters had struggles to overcome that were serious but also were shown to either either have or be soon to have happy endings like mm. and they didn't have to like break up and be miserable because one person said something nasty they were able to be like hey this made me feel pretty shit 
I don't really know how to move on for it, but mm. I'd like to try. And I, mm. I don't see, I, it's annoying that that is refreshing, but even now in 2022, I think it's less like uncommon than it was 10 years ago. But bearing in mind that when I was at school, it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, this does feel refreshing to me because I don't think that we had this narrative when we were the age of the characters in this show. I also really, and I know that we're going to talk about this a bit later on, loved the soundtrack. Mm. Had a great time with the soundtrack. (laughs) I had a great time with, there were a few um, uh, cinematic choices that I thought were really great. Like I thought that it was a really beautifully made show. Yeah, I think also it does a very good job of, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, of um, embracing diversity without signalling diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, race, gender, um, sexuality, a lot of different factors that come mm-hmm. into play when you are a teenager. You know, it doesn't, it, the struggles that these characters were going through weren't necessarily just about their identity. Mm-hmm. They were about a lot of things and being a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. Like, it was coming of age in a way that wasn't just oh my god let's go and have sex at my dad's beach house yes um, or just this there is was no sex. there was no there's sex there's no sex no swearing no drugs no alcohol no i think as we've sort of talked about the school experience felt very realistic both you and i went to same-sex grammar schools and uh you could tell that the author alice oseman also went to a same-sex same-sex grammar school because it was very, very real. And if you had a shit time at that same-sex grammar school, at times this was hard to watch. But that that is to say that's a positive in the way this was written and created. Um, mm-hmm. so, As we've said before, yeah. um, believability of negative experiences doesn't mean that it's a negative on the show. In fact, yeah. it means it's a positive. Or the book or the or whatever. Yeah. If you dislike something because it's too real, it probably means that it's done it's really done well. well. But speaking of the negative side of things, was there anything that you felt could have been done better or was not handled properly, correctly, well? There are a few things. The the first, the top of my head, is the absolutely wooden acting and script of the central villain, Harry. Yeah, he was like, I'm sure that he's a very good young actor, the time given to him to be meathead villain and the words given him to be meathead villain were just awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. They. I, I, I woke up this morning actually thinking about this yeah. uh, where I was just like nine of, he had about like, what, 15 lines, <laughs> most of which were like, oi, look at this and throwing something. Yep. Or it's just banter, mate. It's just banter. Uh, Can't you take a joke? And I was like... Which with those kind of people kind of is the extent Yeah, of but language, there but was yeah. just... None of it felt... That was the least authentic that it felt. And it wasn't that the bully himself felt inauthentic. Like the, the, the idea that there would be this kind of bully. Yeah. And that this is the attitude that they take. But it was just so like he's standing in front of his little grease squad and you could just almost hear the clicks, clicks, clicks of like the sharks and the jets going. And it was just so like... (laughs) You gay, pal. Yeah, it it was just like, it was so one note. And I think that a bit of nuance with a villain is important. Yeah, And I appreciate that sometimes people just be dicks. And certainly when you're a teenager and you're, you're... someone is making your life hell maybe there just really isn't that much news maybe he's just a shithead but 
I still think a shithead can say more in what I believe is meant to be months of school than oi gay boy are you gay and I may not be a you know. he was cardboard villain yeah it was very that's it exactly yeah. it was very cardboard so that was my major criticism and I I think to be fair I also feel like Ben's character who is the secret boyfriend at the beginning of the show who's a total douche canoe um I think that he had a little bit more to play with but I would have mm. liked to see more I also don't think that he I think they tried to give him a few like intense breathing scenes where he has feelings but i didn't think i again i almost felt like eight half hour episodes was not enough i'm sure i have other things and i'm sure as soon as you start talking i'll be like yes absolutely that's the thing but um i watched this very recently and i really enjoyed it and my main quibble is i want to know where this milkshake bar is (laughs) yeah because i'm gonna need me a milkshake why they serve a fucking bubblegum flavor let's no well i want to know how the fuck is there a milkshake bar in a teepee in the middle of wherever the fuck they are? Kent. <laughs> and just like, what? But I didn't, I want this. Oh, and my other quibble, which I mentioned to you earlier, is why the fuck are they only texting on Instagram? Is that yeah, what the young weird. people do these days? I understand reaching out to someone on Instagram but and sliding into someone's DMs, but like at some point, their boyfriend and girlfriend and they're still only communicating via Instagram. Or people that have been friends for like five years and only commuting but communicating via instagram by group it seemed to be like a group instagram message as well and i was like is that even a thing oh yes no that is a thing why is that a thi- how do you know that's a thing well because i send memes to my friends via instagram there you go yeah there wasn't enough memes there weren't enough memes in this Not enough memes. that was my issue um okay yeah no that was true though it didn't it like admittedly we are twice the age of the people that are in this show which is disgusting um my just us. rage quit i mean <laughs> <laughs> right now thanks <laughs> for that shit i'm at why were they doing that? Um, the yeah, so I I think that the acting actually for the majority of the show I was pleasantly surprised by that they had cast age appropriate actors, mm-hmm. which was really nice to see when mm-hmm. you're used to seeing seventeen year olds being played by thirty two year olds. So that was really nice. And generally, when you see younger actors, sorry, all of the cast of Harry Potter, but they are terrible. <laughs> um, until they get older. So the, I think that the majority of the performances were pretty good, except Harry. But like you say, was that because he wasn't given the material? Solid, or was it because the material wasn't there? You know what I have an issue with? Why do so many teen dramas now obsess with Mario Kart? Like Mario Kart is the game to play. Like they were like, oh my god, I'm going to have to challenge you to Mario Kart. Sex education, they do the same thing. Do it's they? Like, or Super Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. I'm like, how many teenagers are playing on the Switch? This what are you is, talking about? But this is another thing. So I was saying to Sam off mic yeah. about the budget that this show must have had. Because it had Google. Mm-hmm. It had... Instagram. Instagram. It had Macs. It had um, iPads. And I didn't even cotton on that it had Nintendo. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's fucking product placement is what it is, yeah. mate. Yep. Nintendo are getting that bank and good for them. But I don't feel like good for good for poor, maligned, suffering underdog Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, so underfunded. They need so a small. win. Such an indie indie platform. Uh, I think it's really big of Netflix to support all these indie things like (laughs) this little known search engine called Google and um, this this you know sort of not all that popular app called Instagram. I just think it's really good of them to like step up. It's very big of them, yeah, for sure. And like I said at the the beginning of the show, it was it was very sweet, and that's just my personal taste of like ah, where's the 
Where's the sarcastic friend? Where's the sassy? I didn't feel like there was. You know, actually, no, there was uh, Darcy, but there wasn't enough of her. I wanted more Darcy. Yes, I'm almost sad that we know Darcy and Tara before, like in this season, because I would have liked to watch a season about them. Season two should be about them. Yeah, it won't be though. No, I know. But it um, I felt like uh, Tao was set up to be. Yeah, but Tao just came across as dick. sassy wordsmithy. So, oh, really? I uh, yeah. Again, another negative. Like I feel that Tao was not a very likable character, even though his intentions protecting his friend were good. I also have an issue with his hair, but that's <laughs> <laughs> I that's um <laughs> I felt like Tao. I could understand Tao's position of being the one that's left behind um that your own your you know your identity if your identity is wrapped up in a, in a core group of friends when they suddenly don't need you anymore if they've got a new boyfriend or whatever then um i can definitely really understand that so i actually i felt for tau the fact that you and i felt different things but broadly i think you know we, we both like the show we both identified quite strongly with the um setting the fact that we felt quite different really speaks to actually quite how good the show is because mm. I think you could identify with any of the characters depending on who you are. And I think speaking to what you said about it, maybe playing younger and being for people who are trying to see themselves yeah. in characters. Like, I think that that's really great that you can identify with certain characters and find other characters annoying and it helps you examine that. But yeah, I think that he was a 15-year-old boy who was struggling with quite how strongly he felt about everything that was going on yeah. and didn't really know how to communicate it and was yeah. blaming his friend who had found love because that was the thing that changed and also wanted to protect him. So on the note of Tao's hair, we are going to have a small break. Uh, we're going to have a wee, we're going to refresh our glasses and we'll be back to talk some more about Heartstopper. So we're back from our break. We are still drinking the Bramble Hills Sparkling Wine of England in an effort to cut back our boozing on <laughs> a grape culture. We're trying to stick to one wine per podcast. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We have backup wine. <laughs> we always have, we backup, always have wine. backup wine. But for right, for right now, we're still on the Bramble Hill. Um, um, it is Monday, my dudes. It like, is Monday. Where we are, oh. it's Monday. <laughs> yeah, and I'm in the office tomorrow, so... I am uh, not. Yeah. Thank fuck for that. Yeah, so we're taking it fairly chill. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, how are you finding the, the Bramble Hill, Kim? Um, I'm definitely enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would at the first sip. Okay. It's um, it's quite a fruity one, mm. I think. I still think it tastes like busy white wine. Yes. Yeah, rather um, than Prosecco. Or, rather than yeah. Prosecco or, yeah. or Champagne, even. Um, it definitely leans more towards a Champagne than it does to a Prosecco, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I'm quite enjoying it. I can definitely see having this in a garden. It feels very appropriate for this week that we are recording of garden parties and Jubilee and Chelsea Flower It show. was in the Jubilee selection, mm, it, uh, in M&S. Yeah, so. strong Jubilee garden party vibes. Yeah, um, sure. I think that this is a crowd-pleasing bubbles. Yes. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'll How about you? Good. Yeah, I like it. I, I agree. Uh, it's, it's fruitier than, uh, usual. Um, I, I th- I'm finding it quite apple Yes. Uh, which is always nice. I like an apple wine, actually. Mm. So then, before the break, we were talking about Heartstopper, as the mm-hmm. whole episode is about Heartstopper. Um, and we mentioned that this is a show based on a graphic novel. 
um, the graphic novel is, or it's a series of graphic novels mm-hmm. actually, uh, within a wider universe created by uh, Alice Oseman, um, who uh, is a queer writer who identifies as she/her. So this writer is not someone who has come from. They've not written from the point of view of having attended a boys' grammar school, which is where mm-hmm. the majority of the action is set, which I found quite interesting. But what do you think of the way that a graphic novel was translated from page to screen? Uh, because there were some techniques that they used to keep that vibe and I wanted to get your thoughts on what those were and how effective you think they were. Yeah, I really enjoyed it actually. It was actually something that I mentally took note of whilst I was watching it, which I did get quite wrapped up in the in the story whilst I was watching it. So I tried to be very critical, but also I was like, ah, oh, but that's just so beautiful. <laughs> really? Um, there were two things that stood out to me. One was, um, so... When there was a romantic connection or a like a mm. chemistry connection, a charged moment. yeah, between two characters, you would either get like a uh, a little doodle of like sparks flying, like a, a lightning bolt or something, or um, when two people looked at each other and they had like romantical feelings, you get like flowers floating around them or or hearts or butterflies, so and they'd like cute. pop yeah. and stuff. And I thought that that was really cute because. It was just, it was very subtle. It wasn't really heavy handed. It wasn't in every single scene, but also they told, it told a story, which was that something was felt that you couldn't necessarily express. It was more like in the moments where you're like, could I reach for the hand? Could I not? Could I reach for the hand? Could I not? How do I feel about this? Or you, I I don't, I'm assuming that many people have had this feeling where you look at someone and you go, oh, I actually might like this person. All of a sudden, it's just hit me. But yeah, like the little like little love hearts or flowers or stuff. And I thought that that was really well played because I think it gave a signifier to the um, watcher. But also it was just like... It felt like to me, you know, the do- like doodles when you're thinking, when you've got a crush on someone at school and you that's do the doodles exactly on, your, yeah, on your like notebook or whatever. It was, it was that vibe. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. It yeah. felt... It felt authentic, like it felt like a visual representation of how it feels to have a crush on someone. And the the word that is used a lot in the show is the word crush, which as which I adults, gone out of favour. I didn't yeah. think that was a word that was still used. I love that word. As adults, we don't use that word very often, and um, yeah. I think it's really evocative and um it's kind of it is how i remember feeling a lot of the time like there's a lot of emphasis on like love and destiny and blah blah especially when you look at other shows which i think we'll talk about in a bit like um it's always life or death but actually sometimes you just like oh i quite like this person oh that oh that's made me feel yeah like like a fizz like a like a share but also a very clever element of using the way that graphic novel panels are divided Mm to show two scenes at the same time so when two people are communicating but not communicating so they're texting each other but they're trying to figure out what to text each other and they are split like comic panels where you'd have you know one person at the top and then you'd have the 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 thick border and then the other person at the bottom and i liked that because i feel like it gives a proper sense of time and place yeah um and also it reminds you a little bit that it's a graphic novel that having them both on the screen at the same time in a graphic novel is a visual visual snapshot of that that makes it feel very sort of epic and enhanced in that way but also it allows them it allowed them i think to put for lack of a better a filter the graphic novel filter on it which um is is slightly more fuzzy and romantic um so for my part i thought that the graphic novel use of that was very good there wasn't like a kapow or yeah it wasn't whatever. scott pilgrim to be honest when we agreed when we agreed when we decided to watch this show 
I didn't really know much about it other than it was uh, uh, an LGBTQ plus drama uh, and everyone had been like, it's just really nice. That was all I had. <laughs> so I didn't know until I started watching it and started looking things up that it had been based on the graphic novel. Um, and I, the first episode I watched, I was like, this feels like a graphic novel because of the way that the, not even just the, the animation, but the way that the shots are lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point uh, in the first episode where... Nick accidentally draws on Charlie's hand. He just draws like a squiggly line and then he turns it into a smiley face. And then there's a shot later of um, Charlie holding Ben's hand, who's Ben, douchebag boyfriend, who wasn't really boyfriend. And the ha- and the thing still being on his face. And the way the shot was lined up made it feel like graphic novel frames, mm-hmm. even without that. So I think to get that without even realising that that was what was happening was, mm-hmm. was really uh, impactful. But speaking of that and the the way that the show was relied very much on the visual. One of the things that stood out to me about this show was the soundtrack, uh, because there wasn't, there was a, there was dialogue uh, in between the texting and the everything else, but it wasn't a very dialogue heavy, I, like the script no. for this must have been fairly light because there wasn't a hell of a lot of talking and what the, when there wasn't talking, music, all the time music. The music was so good i nearly yeah. text you whilst i was watching it to be like this fucking <laughs> soundtrack yeah. slaps like i love music shocker yes. um as we both do but um and we are also both bonded as being elder emos um yeah. but and this was like this was designed for elder emos and it made me think of there are soundtracks to a lot of the shows that i love from the early aughts one tree hill um the oc even skins mm-hmm and the songs that were played on those were like huge hits yeah and i felt like this wasn't quite that yeah because um i almost felt like music was more integral because the the choice of lyrics that were played at certain times were telling the story Mm. There'd be the moment where they'd be texting and not texting and not texting and texting, and then they'd go to school the next day, and the music would be playing over everything that happened, and it was like, "Tell me, do you like me? Do you like me? Or do you like like me?" Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I thought that the music was brilliant. I was like, "I am absolutely going to listen to this." And <laughs> funnily enough, over the weekend, I was listening to a soundtrack of a show that I used to love. I was thinking, "Gosh, you know, like sound uh, movie soundtracks that like show soundtracks. They're just not as much of a big thing mm. as they used to be." but generally i think like you get songs that are on soundtracks and they make it to the oscars but you don't buy a soundtrack album whereas when i was a teenager i bought several soundtrack albums i had the shrek album on dvd spider-man 2 spider-man 2 um but i also think like it was also soundtracks were a place for bands that weren't considered mainstream Mm -hmm. so to reference the spider-man 2 there were a lot of like uh pop punk bands on that contrary to popular belief that tiktok might tell you pop punk wasn't super cool when we were teenagers (laughs) and everyone else is just faking it and we were the ogs but a lot of different examples of bands that you might not hear about and especially in the uk in the early 2000s it was a really good way to hear american bands that maybe Mm. their albums hadn't quite made it to us um and this felt like that this felt like an example of picking really good bands and showcasing them not just picking the most popular songs of the day because there are several scenes in the show like parties or whatever that could do play play the equi- you know play the Beyonce's play the Billie Eilish play 
whatever it is and play the popular songs because they're the popular songs and this this show clearly had the budget to do that. I was going to say yeah, budget clearly wasn't a constraint. Yeah, but they actually choice. seem to seek out not just lesser known songs and songs that fit the bill but lesser known songs that fit the bill that seem to be mostly uh, not English but um, alternative and in many cases English yeah. or British and I loved that i thought it really added to the authenticity of the show Mm -hmm. also made me like it a whole lot because i like hearing new music and um now i want to listen to the soundtrack it was great great fun it was also very like the music itself was it was almost that lo-fi end of (laughs) current god i sound so old but like it it wasn't angsty rock it was very it was quite a gentle emotional soundtrack yeah not just woo party all the time or i'm angry at my parents basically it made me think of 2005 <laughs> yeah but not in an in-betweeners way no exactly it was it's somewhere between angst and party it's feelings without being like everything is terrible yes for the most part yeah um, um and even where there was anger or sadness it wasn't much like we said at the beginning of the show where we talked about this w- allows people to be people without focusing only on their trauma. Even the soundtrack allows people to be people without only focusing on trauma. Yeah. So one thing that I just mentioned there was uh, the Inbetweeners because that did have a very, very distinct indie soundtrack. Very distinct Brit, not Britpop, but what pr- what followed Britpop. Yeah. That was what I think of as Inbetween, The Morning Runner. Um Wombats, all that kind of shit. <laughs> uh, uh, <so>, wombats. <laughs> oh, the wombats. Uh, oh, the Hoosiers. I've oh. seen the wombats. <laughs> of course you have, because of course you have. And I've done an interpreted answer to the Hoosiers, so, you know, you're Jesus welcome. Jesus Christ, please tell me there's video evidence. No, it, was a pa- it wasn't interpretive, it was a panto. I choreographed a panto dance to... You uh, Ray? Worried about Ray? Worried about Ray. Yeah. It was worried about Ray, no. except that it was worried about ghosts. <laughs> I'm seriously worried about ghosts! So I think this is is a uh, a show that is going to have that has played an important role for a lot of teenagers, and in fact, some people have used this as their kind of coming out lever to their parents mm-hmm. and to the people around them, which is really interesting. Um, but how do you think this stacks up in the in the great British tradition of the canon. high school? Yeah, the canon of high school British dramas. So I'm thinking things like Skins. I'm thinking The Inbetweeners. I'm thinking, more recently, Sex Education. Uh, Grange Hill. <laughs> Bite a Growth. <laughs> Let's not forget. Let's not forget the OGs here. Oh, I wasn't expecting well, that. Well, Bite a Growth. <laughs> <laughs> Anne and Deck. Oh my God, where they got that big stuff? PJ and Sam. <laughs> um, PJ and Duncan. PJ and Duncan. Yeah. So... For a couple of episodes of the show, I was like, is this meant to be England? Because I can't now tell the difference. <laughs> well, between England and the US? Be- between the accents that people think English people in the US. Like, because it's right. just all very generic now. Generic South. But yeah. also, I was very tired. <laughs> so there was a part of me, it, there was a point in the middle where I was like, is this, like, is this an American making a British film? Because I, I was aware yeah. that it was meant to be a British show um the the whole grammar school wearing uniforms tipped me off there <laughs> but there it. were certain inflections and stuff where i was and certain um aspects of like the decor of their rooms mm. and how impossibly beautiful everyone and was 
and the tannoy and um the emphasis on sports day and like painting your face and all that sort of shit I was a bit like, oh, this all this all feels like you're trying to do an American chili show or whatever. Mm. So that was a that was a thing, and um, and also I haven't watched a huge amount of British Local teen shows because uh, there's a lot of cringe involved <laughs> in that, and that's not my jam. Or where there's not cringe when they were popular when we were teenagers, there was a lot of drugs and drinking. Which um, I was not into. Was so not your story. No, it was not my story. So I never really identified them with them. So I never watched them. But that being said, I I know the drill. I know what's going on. So I I am familiar with them, and I think that this it feels weirdly other than because it doesn't have the same. Um, this is on channel four humor mm-hmm. or grittiness. It feels too hopeful, and we are a nation of cynics. <laughs> True. Um, but that being said, I think that that's really important. I think that in the grander scheme of TV shows about teenagers, I think that this is a really important show because, as we've said earlier, it's focusing on small stories. The fact that those small stories happen to be UK stories and the fact that they are not centred on alcohol, drugs, trauma... I think is really important. I think if you look at things like Skins, mm. that is pretty fucked up. Pretty bleak. Um, and then if you look at something like Inbetweeners, it's not as fucked up, but it's it's very niche. It's very um, one core group of people and their yeah. core group of way that they deal with things. And they're very intelligent, but um, boyish. Boys being boys. It's this very loud, loud, this loud. is more multifaceted. Um, and so I think that this is a really important stepping stone so my experience mostly with teen dramas is Hollyoaks. Like the most yeah. show that I've watched with the most teens is Hollyoaks, which is very like a very <laughs> yes. special episode. And this did not give me Hollyoaks vibes in the sense that um, Hollyoaks is all drama every episode because it's a soap opera. Whereas this was much more um, easygoing, I yeah. think, that we talked about and, and very sweet. And I think that that's kind of the like you've got the skins which is the drama mm. you've got Hollyoaks or whatever which is the soap and then you've got in between it which is the comedy and this is none of those things mm. this is unique unto itself in that it is a comedy and drama and it's sweet and it has a happy ending i think this occupies a its own space within that set of stories which is something that I don't know many British shows to have done uh, in that leading with queer stories has not been a focus for the majority of British teen dramas. Uh, and when they have led with teens, with the queer stories, it's been um, that it, they've been broadly negative or it's been a struggle, uh, which is not to say, not to diminish any kind of LGBTQ plus struggles. Um, but it's been to add drama boom oh look they're gay now like it's it's that Mm -hmm. kind of narrative rather than any kind of positive thing and i think this is the first show that i've seen certainly that that has a positive aspect and it's also the first show i've seen where uh, a uh, a trans character has been romantically interested in a cis het character Mm -hmm. um which i think is really interesting especially at the um age group that we're talking about um 
because it's, it's just not there in mm-hmm. any other uh, British teen dramas. Um, it did have a sex education film vibe to me in the way that it's filmed and the way that the characters talk. Mm-hmm. But sex education is a weird show because it, it's very Americanized and very extreme. Not extreme in like, I don't know, jackass ways, but it like... It gives. It's very shock. Here's the here's the lewd sex thing that is happening at the beginning that we need to discuss for the whole episode. Uh, even though there is a wholesome message and people get helped and mm-hmm. supported throughout it, it's it's a very different proposition to this. So it was weird that I felt that there was a similarity when they are very very different shows. But I don't know if that's just British high school shows of the late twenty tens, early twenty mm-hmm. twenties. Yeah, I I get what you mean though because I think that there's a there's a for lack of a better word wokeness about it that hmm. obviously translates, but also there's it's not a reverence, but it's a lightness to it that I think that isn't in the stuff that we have watched. There's an acceptance. I think. Yeah. yeah, because even the in betweeners, its lightness is sarcastic. Whereas this doesn't feel sarcastic. No. Um, and I don't think sex education feels sarcastic either. There is an earnestness to the topics that they're copying. Mm-hmm. Even though it's funny. Yeah. And like... It's wry. But wry, it's not... but it's not sarcastic. Yeah. Like, it's not like... Yeah. Um. So I can definitely see that. I think that... I agree with you that I do feel like this is set apart. I think one of the things that sets us apart is probably that it... It feels universal mm. in a way. For mm-hmm. being such a small story which I really yeah. enjoy. And yeah, the fact that it's not focused on bleakness. Sam, what would you like to rate first? Let's do the wine. Okay. So this was the Bramble Hill sparkling English wine off of MNS, suitable for vegans. Like I said, uh, I've had a cold, so my taste buds are not quite up to par. Um, but what I could taste, I enjoyed. It was definitely fruitier than a Prosecco. Um, as you said, it lacked some of that acidic dryness. So if you find that off-putting, I think this is a really good shout. Um, the price, what do you think it cost? Knowing that it's from m and I'm going to say 10 mm, 15 Really? Yeah. Mm. So I don't know if it was necessarily worth the money. Uh, I would happily pay probably... 10 for it but yeah. 15 is a little bit steep mm. um but i liked it so i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna give it a three i think that's fair i also liked it i also think that it was quite pretty i i when i first sipped it i was a bit like oh this is gonna be gross <laughs> um but no actually it was it was nice uh generally warm up really nice summer garden party wine mm-hmm. certainly wouldn't pay 15 pounds for it 10.99 maybe at a push mm. Uh, but I do think that it is good fun for garden party, barbecue, Jubilee celebration, weekend. Jubilee weekend. I think I'm also going to give it a three. Nice. Yes. I was hovering around 3.5, but actually I think that's just because I'm a bit drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and how about Heartstopper? What are you going for for that? I really loved Heartstopper and actually I was very surprised. Um, I I don't think it's perfect or amazing and I don't think it's going to be something that like I think about for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a four. Okay. In that I think that it really did an incredible job and I wish that there had been this kind of show when we were teenagers would have been very nice. Yeah. A little bit less angst, a little bit more love. Yeah. 
in general. So yeah, I'm going to go with four. How about you? I'm going to go for three point five because again, I needed I needed it to have more comedy. I needed it to have more or more dark. I need there was not there wasn't enough light and shade. Mm-hmm. It was quite a lot of light. It was with one a bit of shade. Yeah. Um, but that is not to say that I don't think for a lot of people this isn't a very important show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it came too late for me for it to be important to me mm-hmm. um, as, as a queer adult. But um, I do think that it will help a lot of people. Uh, and for that reason, I'm going to go through for And don't forget, if you want to come back for more very special episodes or just us drinking wine and chatting shit, we are back every other Sunday with a brand new episode. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast, on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. You are on Instagram, just like in the show. You can message us if you like. <laughs> That's how we're going to make friends. Um, <laughs> but you can find us there. You can also find us on our website, which is grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful time and we will see you soon.